Blog Talk Radio. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is the USDA Hour, and we're going to be talking about the black black farmers versus the USDA discrimination and other issues. Um, My host for this evening is Lawrence Lucas, and he'll be taking over in just a second here. Um, I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Grassroots Whistleblower Summit. And we'll all be there this next year, come hell or high corn. But anyway, that's the way it is for today. Um, Lawrence, take it away. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate uh, you giving us the time and the the voice that uh, we can share with many uh, of our listeners. And tonight we're going to bring you up to date because we have not been on the air for about two months now. The whistleblower conference came up that was very successful, put on by Marcel Reed and Michael McRae in Washington. And there's some other things that have happened, but all not good. Um, Over the past few months, we've lost one of our colleagues uh, due to COVID. Uh, we've lost one of our, uh, and that's Arthreda Martin, who's been with us and has worked in civil rights at USDA for employees and farmers for as long as I can remember on the Federal Sector Task Force. Uh, we also lost um, the wife of uh, our president, uh, Ron Cotton, Lois uh, Al- Alberta uh, Cotton Pass. And um, as much as uh, we think that um, we'll be around forever, uh, it, life lends itself to all of us one day are going to pass on. So I want to uh, mention those two names. And Ron Cotton could not be doing what he's done for the many years for others without the support of his wonderful wife. And I know her as Loisy. Lois. Anyway, um, let's move on. Tonight, we're going to kind of bring you up to date about what's been going on as it relates to civil rights at USDA, and there's been quite a bit. Uh, I'm blessed with the fact that we have on again, and many of us wonder, why do we have uh, individuals like Lloyd Wright, uh, former civil rights director and as well as a black farmer, and we have uh, uh, why bring on uh, Wayman Henson, historian, uh, advisor to the coalition, has been in this business um, with Lloyd um, at another location for years, and um, we're blessed to have both of them on tonight to kind of bring us up to date about what is going on or what has gone on at USDA. Um, We've had lawsuits that's been filed. We had, uh, we know some of the results of those. We've had a numerous uh, series of articles uh, that have been written, and uh, we will be talking about some of those articles and what they contain and what our position is and uh, as it relates to um, the issue of discrimination against black farmers. Uh, we've also been, uh, been expanding our relationships with the Policy Center there in, Virgi- in Alcorn, um, maybe Virginia. Um, I know Lloyd will clear that up. And we've been making contact with other groups that have come 
to us and want to join us in this struggle. So a lot of things have happened, and I would like to start off with uh, um, with I want to welcome uh, Lloyd. Uh, I welcome you tonight. Good and okay, uh, talk a little louder, Lloyd. I can't hear you. I said it's good to be with you tonight. Okay, uh, you're going to have to speak a little louder. I don't know if it's my phone or, or what. Uh, the other, we have uh, Dr. Wayman Henson, historian. And, Wayman, uh, thank you for taking time uh, as well to uh, address some of the issues and concerns. One of the that, things that, uh, that we've been talking about and that we've been involved in is uh, uh, our communications with Tom Vilsap. Um, one of the other issues is, uh, and those letters that we've sent, the other is um, uh, the status of the lawsuit filed by um, farmers. I think we need to share with our, our group about how that came about, meaning going back to Elizabeth Warren and how we got here and and why we have and we've pushed for uh, debt relief for black farmers. Um, there are a host of other things that we can talk about, but I think, um, Lloyd, can you tell us, uh, tell our listeners um, how we got here? And you know a little about uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, letter that we sent in 2019 or 20 as well as uh, what she has done and what is the outgrowth of the plan uh, for black farmers and how we got to the Justice for Black Farmer Act as, and the Warnock Bill, the Rescue Act. Uh, can you uh, give our, our listeners a kind of an update on that, please? Um, okay, yes. Um, and, and just to... I'll go to the end, the provisions that were included in the American Rescue Plan originated uh, from the Justice for Black Farmer Act, which was uh, initially drafted by Senator Elizabeth Warren. And, and that was an outgrowth of a number of us having worked with her and three other of, of the uh, candidates that were running for president on the Democratic side and during the last election cycle. Um, but we worked with her because it initially someone had convinced her that the problem with uh, loss of black farmland was because of heirs' property, uh, not having clear deeds. And, and we worked with her to uh, clarify the fact that whereas that was an issue in the black community, that was really not the problem. The problem was outright discrimination, primarily by the Department of Agriculture. So she changed her paper, and in the end, she put out a strong position paper on support for black farmers. And then out of that paper, uh, she drafted the uh, Justice for Black Farmer Act. And, and then eventually that was, uh, along with Senator Booker, who eventually started to take leadership, on that, and then when the American uh, Rescue Plan, the emergency plan that was put in, uh, uh, was 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 uh, drafted, uh, the provision for debt relief and three or four other things that ended up uh, uh, in Section 106, those provisions were lifted from the Justice for Black Farmer Act. Uh, with a, with a minor change in that it changed from being black farmers to being socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers, uh, which which brought in a, a, a lot of other groups, uh, and, and, and maybe that was needed, but it complicated things in that most of the documentation that exists about discrimination and land loss really relate to blacks, and that you know it, it is the black farmers who've gone from almost a million down to 38,000. But in either case, the, it originated, uh, as I said, with Senator Warren. Uh, it ended up in the bill, 
And as many of you may be aware now that the debt forgiven provision, uh, there is an injunction. There are several lawsuits filed against it, and there's a couple, three injunctions uh, that prohibit USDA from implementing those provisions. So at the present time, uh, USDA cannot uh, provide the debt relief. It, it, It took them quite a while to do it. Uh, you know, I had a number of us had said that if we did not uh, complete the debt uh, forgiveness provisions by Memorial Day, it probably wouldn't happen. Well, it was not completed on Memorial Day. And soon thereafter, these lawsuits were filed. And then not long after that, the um, uh, judge uh, uh, put a stop order in so we no longer can settle those complaints. So that's really where we are. And uh, and I've been informed by someone that there's a, 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 there's a, a high probability that justice will not uh, 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 appeal that decision. And if that is the case, then some other method will be needed to get around those injunctions in, all, in order to settle uh, the, 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 the uh, debt relief. So a number of us are working on that. And Lawrence, I don't know if you want me to get into that now or I'll save that for later, what, what we're trying to do to uh, get around the, the, the injunctions. Okay, keep that uh, in okay, mind, well, Lloyd. Uh, keep that in mind. And uh, we want to get to that uh, later on with regard to the injunction. Um, okay. At this point, I would like to uh, have... Uh, uh, Dr. Henson chime in and talk about um, some of that that history and about some of the articles that have uh, surfaced in the Guardian publication. Um, Politico has written uh, stories, and uh, fortunately we've had uh, quotes from uh, Tracy McCurdy uh, from Black Belt, who's a part of our organ- our group, as well as uh, Lloyd, um, has been quoted in some of those documents and some of those stories. Um, I think it's important that at least um, the media seems to be paying more attention to this issue than uh, I think um, our leaders and those responsible for this problem have been paying, uh, and I'm sad to say that. Uh, Women, can you chime in and kind of bring our group up to date in terms of what you've been seeing and what you've been involved in in terms of the history and kind of bring us up to where we are today? Let me me add, follow briefly on two tracks. To kind of pick up where Lloyd left off, uh, I find it interesting that uh, President Biden signed the bill on March 11, 2021, and then the first of three big lawsuits began to rumble thereafter. Sid Miller in Texas uh, filed against the USDA on April 26, so we're talking um, a month and a half later, and then uh, Faust et al., uh, out of Wisconsin, filed on April 29, and then Wynn et al. out of Florida, filed on May 25. And so a piece that several of us have been thinking about for a long time is that Vilsack had at his disposal, USDA disposal, all of the technology that was needed to move even before the ink was dry for black farmers and these other farmer groups, given the way the bill was written, but because we but we believe that he slow walked it, uh, took the time, and so between March 11 and April 26, you get this great big monolithic uh, lawsuit by Sid Miller out of Texas uh, that's been filed, and then not more than three days later comes the one out of Wisconsin. And then not more than a month later comes the one out of Florida. So at this point, there are suits that have been filed against the USDA to halt this, the debt relief. 
uh, they have been given temporary injunctions or they have been uh, they have temporary restraining orders or whatever the terminology would be, so that the USDA cannot move anywhere as long as those are in place. Now, after uh, several farmers have shared with me that they have received from their local county office all of the documents leading up to cutting the check. Uh, and then I had a brief email exchange with um, uh, FSA Director Ducheneau, who said that while the lawsuits were out there, they were hoping to defeat them by USDA attorneys and DOJ, that they were going to have everything in place so that once the lawsuits are won, then they immediately cut the check for debt relief plus 20% for taxes. So that was a very, very optimistic spin by Director Dushman several months back. And so now we know those things are stuck in court. We know that the USDA, that DOJ is not to appeal those decisions. And so I don't really quite understand where they go from here. Uh, since there is not going to be an appeal, does it linger there? Uh, do they get sent on to uh, at, at an appellate level? Uh, because what we don't want to do is for one of those cases to wind its way up to the Supreme Court, because we know that given the of the Supreme Court, then that would be the death knell of debt relief. So that that's one particular track. Now on on the other track. Um, the U.S. news media has been all over these issues. Uh, they were all over the deadly provisions of the American Rescue provisions were delivered in the courts. They were all over that. They were all over uh, – they went uh, – I look back at approximately 25 of these, um, uh, these articles, and they're all the way from Politico uh, to The Hill – to the Guardian, to uh, Washington Post, to New York Times, uh, and they carry some specific themes through them uh, that I'd be happy to share. And then they also carry um, uh, the quotes of some of our coalition people. Uh, uh, Lloyd, you're in there frequently. Lawrence, you're in there frequently. Uh, Tracy Lloyd McCurdy is in there frequently. Jillian Hishaw is in there frequently. And then for that, there are uh, stories of African-American farmers with their challenges of farming while black in America juxtaposed against the um, white farmers who think uh, that they have been aggrieved by uh, the USDA and them in on the debt relief piece. And so so two major things are happening. The courts is happening, and then in the uh, news outlets, they're reporting what's going on in the courts, and they're coming alongside, I think, in a really good way, uh, African-American farmers, and even one that came out just a, a few days ago by Summer Sewell and The Guardian, uh, both about black farmers as well as um, Native American farmers. Now, what what is there in some, but not all, is much like uh, what Lloyd said a moment ago, that a lot of people think that the debt relief is just for black farmers. And that means they haven't been paying attention because black farmers are 100 farmers out of the extra thousands who are going to get debt relief. And we know that black farmers don't uh, go in. Uh, secure loans because they know what the outcome is going to be. So that's why the number for debt relief for black farmers uh, is so low, and Lloyd can, can weigh in on that. But those, those are the major tracks that are happening, I think. Lawrence? I'm sorry. Um, one yeah. of the things that uh, – I'm here. One of the things that Lloyd was getting into is – is the wording and how we got here in terms of we know that we go back to the Vilsap administration, i.e., the uh, uh, doing the campaign, and we sat down and we've met and talked and sent letters 
to Vilsap about systemic problems, but also we talked to them about what we considered our definition and what we were pushing for for black farmers. We know that, and I think Lloyd can share uh, this to some degree, we know that we were pushing to get debt relief for black farmers. Something happened. Uh, Lloyd, can you share with you um, what we have been experiencing and how we got here? I know one of the things that uh, we, have, we were fighting for debt relief, and, and we've been told that um, during that time that uh, the debt relief that we were asking for black farmers was unconstitutional. We, we now know, um, we knew then what we know now, that that is not true. Uh, can you add to that and, and get to the definition and the policy that we have been working on for the past months, uh, Tracy McCurdy, uh, yourself, uh, as well as Wayne, uh, Wayman, and, and the coalition and its group. Uh, yes. Well, let me point out that there are two provisions in the American Rescue Plan that impact farmers, social disadvantaged farmers at the present time. And Section 1005 is the debt forgiveness provision, and 1006 is the one that would allow direct payments the farmers uh, who, you know, you know, may not have a loan at the present time with the department. So let me talk about what we were trying to do. If, in fact, it's, it's the, uh, the injunctions are not going to be appealed, then some other method will be needed if we're going to do debt forgiveness under 1005. And we have drafted a, a, a new definition for those farmers who – would qualify for debt relief. And basically what we've done is to take race out altogether and, and relate it to whether or not the, the, the person applying has ever filed a discrimination complaint or whether they've been included in a court-certified class or whether they can document um, uh, discrimination or bias. One of those three categories you'd have to meet in order to get in. And that, that would uh, broaden it to some extent in that, you know, white farmers, uh, especially if women file a complaint uh, based on sex, and, 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 and they would qualify in item one. So would a, um, a white male who filed for disability. It said that, he, you know, that was the cause. But in either case, this would eliminate race since the basis for all of the uh, court actions is say they, it shouldn't be based strictly on race. This would remove race from the definition. So that's what that's the one item we've been working on. Now there's others pushing other kind of ways of getting around it, uh, including uh, I think there's one proposal that would say that any farmer that had a gross income of uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars or less, and and uh, or had uh, debt relief of two hundred fifty or less, we don't think either of those really address. Um, the needs of black farmers. So we think this, this revised definition would be much better. And then the second thing that we we are uh, doing, and that because often we overlook the, second, the provision of 1006, which could provide direct uh, payments to farmers. Uh, there's a billion dollars on the table, uh, of which uh, a couple hundred million of it uh, is already dedicated to uh, items that are outlined in the bill. So we have, uh, have drafted a paper that would have uh, a total of $750 million of that money used to make direct payments. We have outlined in detail uh, how that could and should be done and why it should be done. And uh, both of these papers... Uh, have, we've worked on with members of the Policy Center, the Social Disadvantaged uh, Farmers and Ranchers Policy Center, located at Alcorn State University, and they have adopted both of these papers. 
and so and it's really now the the the, the uh, policy of the uh, uh, policy center uh, to support uh, these papers that you know originated um, back a month or so ago, but now have been adopted and is the official position of the policy center. So we're working with the department trying to get them to move out on on doing something to make direct payments uh, because it's not clear whether or not the uh, injunctions um, uh, uh, prohibit the department from making settlements. But if if so, all they need to do is adopt the same definition for both, 1005 and 1006, and that would get around it. So those are those are the kind of things that we're doing. And just one follow-up, um, most people in, in the press, as Lawrence pointed out, think that this was a, a effort to address black farmers' debt. If, if we were to implement the uh, bill as, as, as drafted, 47% of the people receiving debt relief would be Native Americans. 26 would be Hispanics, only 18% would be black, 7% would be Asian, and 1% others. So you can see this was not black, but only 18%. And that's by number of people that would qualify. And since blacks have the smallest loans, uh, it's foreseeable that as little as 10% of the money of the debt uh, write-off would go to black farmers. And so... And, and if you look at uh, the 3,000 or 3,100, I think it is, black farmers that would get relief, uh, that's about 8% of the black farmers. So 92% of the black farmers would get nothing from debt relief. So, it, 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 so we were trying to get the department to move out on the second provision that would address the needs of black farmers, the 92% that would not get a nickel out of out of debt relief, and, 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 and that is the one that we would hope that they would use the $750 million to give direct payments. And then if that's not enough, uh, there's a provision that additional money be transferred from the CCC as needed to address that. So that, that's really what, you know, I think our, our uh, uh, recommendations, um, you know, where, where we are at the present time, and when we're trying to work and get support for that, so that that can be in, included in the uh, in, in the budget act that's being worked on at the present time. Okay, um, thank you very much. Um, I think this would be a good opportunity for uh, Wayman to chime in and g- give us some kind of uh, a, a more a historical perspective. In terms of, number one, uh, specifically when Lloyd is talking about 005 and 006, um, I would like Wayman to give us some clarity and move on to um, the history and the need for this bill uh, from your perspective being an historian and have been working with black farmers and doing a documentary on the on the destruction of black farmers by USDA. Wayman? Hello? Wow. His call just dropped. Uh, he'll um, come back, I'm sure. Okay. Um, evidently, uh, uh, Wayman, are you there? Okay. Um, Try now. Lo- okay, Lloyd. Um, Hello. Um, Wayman, we've been. Okay, we. Um, yeah, there we he wanted is. you. Did Did you hear the question? Yes. Yes, I heard the question. The directions to go, uh, Lawrence, to answer your question, and if we could make a broad swath across uh, the, the numbers in the past and that sort of thing, would be that um, the point in time at which uh, the most black farmers uh, farmed the most acreage was post-Reconstruction in the 1910, 1920s. And so if you 
if you go back to that period of time, there were roughly 950,000 black farm operators, um, about 22,000 black farmers owned their farms, and they were farming somewhere around 19 million acres. And so if you fast forward that over the course of time and you pause during the 50s and the 60s, that's when the precipitous drop in black farm ownership, black farm acreage uh, was really beginning to occur. And so some people want to say that there has been black land loss because of the heirs' property thing. We think there's another opinion about that. And the stats are really supported by our opinion. Uh, Suki and Rosenberg are two investigative reporters who've done a great job of this sort of thing. And so, uh, as Lloyd mentioned earlier, uh, depending upon what generation it is that the ag census is being created, that's going to explain the numbers. And so now there's somewhere between 30 and, and 40,000 uh, African-American farmers, and they're farming somewhere around four-plus million acres. But uh, a black-owned farm is going to be about 125, 130 acres, and a white-owned farm is going to be somewhere around 430, 440 acres on average. And so when you look at those numbers, the overwhelming majority of farmers in America now are going to be white farmers. A large majority of them are going to be monolithic farmers. And so it's those farmers who are pulling in the money. And so there are basically three tracks or three uh, streams of money that would be going out to farmers in this day and age. Number one would be through subsidies. Number two would be through the coronavirus relief thing. And then the other thing would be what's called market facilitation. And that's uh, Trump's failed um, uh, trade wars with China. And so what I did was I looked at some numbers. So 97% of the pandemic dollars or the CFAP went to uh, white farmers. Black farmers got 0.1% of those dollars. In terms of the market facilitation program, so that's the failed uh, trade war, uh, white farmers got 99% of that money, uh, and black farmers got, got very little. Um, for instance, white farmers got almost $11,000 out of that deal per farmer, and then black farmers got about $1,000. So you can see really how the deck is stacked. Uh, and then another deep dive that I did one day was that I looked at the first two lawsuits that were filed against the USDA by Sid Miller out of Texas and Faust et al. out of Wisconsin. So I thought, how much money do I suppose, do we suppose that those six litigants against USDA, against Bill Sacaduceno, uh, got advantaged uh, because of their whiteness out of those three streams, subsidies, CFAP, and MFP. And what I found was that those six farmers, the first ones who filed, benefited something like uh, almost $524,000 between like 95 and 2020. And then I also looked at the number of dollars through those four streams of income that the farmers in those counties got because ostensibly we would believe that most of the farmers in those counties are going to be white farmers and there will be some pro rata share of, uh, of minority farmers. But those counties in which those six litigants have their farms or their ranches pulled in uh, to the tune of something like $2.3 billion through those, uh, through those, four, those four categories. And so in the lawsuits that they filed, they claimed reverse discrimination, and they wanted to do away with uh, the group called socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers and that they ought to let every farmer, every rancher, have access to that $4 billion dollars 
because they say that farming and ranching are difficult for all of us and we're all struggling to stay afloat. But what we believe is that nobody ever said that farming or ranching was easy, but we contend that it shouldn't be made harder because of the color of their skin. And those litigants and their counties made off like bandits. So they're claiming they have been marginalized all along the way when the fact of the matter is that they really haven't been. They have done well through subsidies, CFAP, and MFP. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think there's, in terms of broad, broadening the the knowledge of the listening uh, audience, um, what is expected of our leaders and what is expected from the Congress? Um, we, we hear and we talk about uh, debt reconciliation and we talk about the CCC and the money that's floating around there. But, Lloyd, can you explain to us from your perspective, what is the expectation of our leaders and our Congress at this point in time based on the position that, that this, the challenge that has been offered by many uh, white farmer groups around the country? Explain to our listening public in terms of specifically what is the expectation and what can be done to rectify this um, political, um, uh, I call it a political uh, mistake here? Well, you know, I, I'm convinced that the drafters and, and the supporters of the American Rescue Plan really intended to help uh, and 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 and, and it, it, it initially started off as black farmers. They really intended to help black farmers, but somewhere along the, the, the way, they changed it to social disadvantage, which really would not have impacted black farmers had black farmers been getting loans in the past. I, you know, when when this thing first came out, Lawrence, uh, I thought this was really a great thing that the black farmers would get debt relief. Uh, the thing that I had overlooked and should not have was the fact that USDA don't make very many loans to black farmers. So if you're a black farmer and USDA is not making loans to you and you're getting your money elsewhere, you're not going to get debt under, 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 under the debt relief. So uh, of the minority farmers that's covered by the bill, uh, most of the loans were made to um, American Indians and, and, and uh, uh, Hispanics with, with – um, uh, uh, you know, black farmers being only 18% by number. So we, but I think, I don't, I'm not so sure people looked at the numbers to know that that was going to be the case. But but now that they know that, um, you know, I, I would hope that they would not put another plan in place that would have the same impact. So I think, I think, and that would mean that if, if you put another plan in place that include race, I think the folk will do the same kind of lawsuits. And if you put a plan in that's uh, based strictly on income, although you know many black farmers have low income, you know only because they have not been able to get the same kind of assistance from USDA as white farmers, uh, we have a few large black farmers who are struggling and, and have been struggling and they wouldn't qualify. And, and so really it, w- it would hurt them if we put in a, a number and say if you have over this for gross income, uh, you don't have to be a very large farmer to have $250,000 gross. You know, uh, if you talk about net, that's another thing, but I think they were talking gross. So I would hope that, they, they, that since I'm convinced that it, it was done in good faith, I, I think it was some oversight. It was, you know, was we rushed into writing it as necessary because we didn't, when they were doing this bill, it probably didn't have enough time to look at all the details. So, so I, I expect, you know, them now to hopefully go back and 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 look in more detail at whatever they come up with, and make sure it provides 
assistance to the group they intended to provide it to. And if we're going to save black farms, uh, we need to help more than 8%. You don't save black farms, happen to 8% of them. So if we don't do something with the uh, direct payments, we're not going to help black farmers. Uh, do you think uh, do you think the bill was vetted properly? Um, I, I I think what happened, Lawrence, is that like many things that have happened in the last uh, you know thirty forty years as it relates to efforts to address needs of of, of, of minority farmers, I think the condition you know. A lot of folks thought that we want to stop land loss from uh, uh, social disadvantaged farmers. Well, really, it's blacks that's losing the land. Uh, some of the other groups are actually gaining. So I think what happens is that we use the condition of black farmers to justify action, and then we change it to uh, include people of color or some broader group and, and, and often blacks get the least, as they would with this bill, um, almost in the last category. So I, I think to say they didn't vet it properly, I think it got changed from being black to being socially disadvantaged. And I'm not sure how much time was spent evaluating that. So I, 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 and I'm not sure how much time they had, to be honest. But 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 we have more time now, so hopefully the next definition or the next fix will actually be a fix that will work for the black community. So I okay. don't want to choose them because it, 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 it was a short time fuse, if you remember, when they were putting that emergency bill together. So yes. I, I don't want to say that 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 they didn't adequately, you know, evaluate the impacts. But I think they took something that. We could very well have justified because there's long-term history on outright discrimination and land loss for blacks, and then we change it to another group at the end, and that might be the problem. And but this time we have more, there's more time, and hopefully that will get fixed. Okay, that being the case, then one way I describe it is that it was a political miscalculation uh, by by those. Okay. Uh, in Washington, in, in lieu of um, uh, getting to any details about the vetting of it. Um, Wayman, what do you think from your perspective, and, and how do you see uh, this bill now impacting um, moving forward to get debt relief for black farmers uh, at this point? What, what, what do you see needs to happen and, and if, if you want to talk about what didn't happen, you can add that, too. Okay. Uh, just a couple of things uh, to add to what to the conversation is that I find it I find it curious that we didn't expect the white farmers to come out in droves the way they did. Uh, when we look back at the white farmers who did step out and file the lawsuits, they were. Uh, bankrolled by a conservative group that's across the country, uh, including uh, two uh, lawyers who are part of uh, President Trump's administration. So I think we need to stop and say, why were we not surprised? Because I think we continue in America to go through uh, uh, various backlashes. I think so in some ways, I think politically speaking, I think the white farmer lawsuits were a backlash against the debt relief effort for uh, people of color, which is a of uh, post George movement and that kind of. For me, the split in America between people of color and white people. And then I think another thing that needs to be considered is, uh, and again, this may really irritate the hound out of some of us, but I think we really need to be mindful 
of the way the USDA has always worked. When I was reading uh, uh, Ibram Kendi's book, Stamp from India, and he summarizes what happened with the USDA and the New Deal in the 1930s in exchange for votes in the of the USDA and its various departments over to over to Southerners. And so I think that theme has continued to be there. And so when white farmers rear their heads and say, what about us? They're playing the white card, and it's the white card that has been played perpetually within USDA in terms of programs and services. So I'm thinking that we need to continue to push Bill Sack, Ducheneau, and others toward rooting out racism within USDA, and I think the backlash against the is side that just another face of that I for debt relief is through the budget reconciliation process. When I saw a memo the other day from Congress that showed uh, the category that what was under its committee, how many bills there under the agriculture was the bullet point of debt relief. And so the work that Lloyd and his group uh, have done in terms of utilizing those funds within 1006, I think could be a potential source for settling the affairs with black farmers and other other minority groups. Uh, at, at, so it, it's curious, another curiosity for me is that the white farmers have gone after the 1005, the inner workings of 1006. I think more than curious. Uh, not so overt as is debt relief. Uh, it's things wide open and the budget reconciliation process can, can have its way with that. So that's for debt relief. And, and the thing that I would also hope for is exactly what there are so black farmers who owe uh, indebtedness to loans from which they need debt relief because there are so many other thousands of farmers who were never given the opportunity to get uh, U.S. loans in the first place. And so those of business hope that the 1006 process will loop them in. Okay, thank you very much for that clarification. Uh, one of the things that um, many of our listeners, um, some of our listeners are not farmers. Uh, some of our listeners are employees who have gone through the civil rights process, um, and they they're sitting waiting for their cases to be resolved, just like uh, the thousands of cases that are still languishing in the bowels of the organization at USDA at the present time. One of the issues that we have been working on, and um, and we've sent a host of letters uh, to Tom Vilsap, and he has not been responsive, uh, the issue of systemic racism, sexism, and other abuses at USDA needs to be addressed. And it's not just a black farmer problem. It is a cultural institutional problem. Uh, Lloyd, you, have, you were civil rights director there for a long time. And we have about, about maybe about, 14 or 15 minutes left. I want you to talk about, and I want Wayman to chime in later, about the systemic problem and how we've been fighting to get to that problem and what you think needs to be done at USDA Civil Rights and make sure that Vilsap used the power of his pen 
to implement many of the things that are already articulated very clearly in the Justice for Black Farmer Act introduced in the Congress and the Senate by Cory Booker of New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. Lloyd? Well, yes, I'm here. One of the problems at USDA, as you're pointing out, is whether you're a farmer or employee, uh, you cannot file a complaint with USDA and at the present time and expect a timely, uh, fair decision from the Office of Civil Rights. And that if you are going to try to hold someone accountable for their actions, whether it's um, uh, uh, sexism in the in forest service or, or racial discrimination with a farmer, you first need to investigate those cases, document them, and if if, if the person uh, has been um, uh, mistreated to the extent that you have a finding of discrimination, uh, you, you 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 produce that and sign a finding, and then you you proceed to try to make the farmer whole, and you should proceed to holding the person who uh, caused the action accountable. Well, for, for the last twenty years, Lawrence, uh, they have done few, if any, findings of discrimination. And, and and the system is broke, and and I think it's probably broke beyond you know repair, in that uh, most of the people who are there on the staff now have never participated in drafting a finding of discrimination, because they do so few. They may do one a year. Uh, during the period that I was director of civil rights, we did a, a large number, probably more. In, the, in less than two years that I was director of civil rights, we probably did more findings of discrimination for both on the employee side and the program side than has been done in the last 20 years since. So if you don't have an office that actually investigates complaints, uh, you're not going to hold the, per- the people responsible for committing the acts, and you're not going to address and make people whole who've been discriminated against. And some of us feel that you almost need to move the Office of Civil Rights out of USDA, put it in receivership, put it in on a judge or over at justice to rebuild it and get OGC out of it because it's not going to work with OGC making the decisions. And then the farmers and the employees would have a place to go when they've been wrong. But right now it's, it's terribly broke. And, 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 and if, if, if you have... People run in the office who can't see discrimination. They are not going to address it and fix it. And and many, you know, we have senators, presidents, and whoever say that there's, you know, systemic discrimination at the Department of Agriculture. But the one problem is that the Office of Civil Rights, who's there to address that issue, can't find it. So that's really the problem. And, and so uh, in the long term, we're never going to fix this thing until we fix the Office of Civil Rights. And they need to get out of everything except uh, receiving complaints, uh, investigating them, adjudicating, and settling complaints. Uh, when they perceive their job to be training or marketing or a whole bunch of other things the office have perceived to be their role, uh, they're going to be a failure, and that's what we have going on, Lawrence. Okay. The office is dysfunctional. Well, well Wayman, uh, that being said, uh, we've talked about accountability, transparency, and and proper oversight. Uh, we've heard uh, from the new uh, person who is now in charge of civil rights. Uh, during the discussion, she indicated uh, Monica Range indicated that, um, and when asked the question about uh, cases in the backlog, and we were concerned about farmers as well as employees, uh, can you uh, share with us in the last few minutes about the kind of accountability that you think should be um, should be had at USDA, especially when 
we have people telling us that there's no backlog of cases at USDA while we had farmers on the phone that would say otherwise. In that particular conversation where we were meeting with Bill Sack, he gave us he gave us uh, 30 minutes, and part of his 30 minutes was uh, devoted to uh, Monica Range's report about the current status of things. She said there was no backlog, there was no current backlog, and we had on the phone call with us, the Zoom call with us, several black farmers whose cases are open, and and you and Lisa Donnelly and others know about employees' cases that are still open, they're still unsettled. But I, I think the problem within USDA, Office of Civil Rights, is much the way uh, Lloyd described it. And, and I think there's a system in which the Office of Civil Rights is paralyzed in doing its job. It doesn't know how to do its job or it doesn't want to do its job. Are there people in place who are there filling out their career year so they can retire? But I do know, I've heard story after story after story about how at the county committee level, somebody at the county committee level is going to discriminate against farmers. They're going to wind up uh, losing their land or uh, disaster crop disaster years come and they don't get disaster relief and on and on. So the USDA has devolved its responsibilities down to what you might call the lowest common denominator. So at the top, has devolved its responsibilities from D.C. down to the county committee level, and the county committee people can act with impunity on how they deal with people, especially people of color. And so when they're primarily white farmers who are selecting their white friends on those county committees, then guess how they're going to make decisions. And then when decisions are made in ways that mistreat people of color, those people on that level who did the, the discrimination, they're not held accountable by the people up at the next level who aren't held accountable at the next level. And so when these um, program complaints come in to the USDA Office of Civil Rights, uh, they don't know how. They don't have set in place the machinery, the mindset, the protocol, the procedures, the training. And I've read a number of these documents that that we mentioned findings of discrimination and i think it is ludicrous that somebody works in the office of civil rights and that they not know how to investigate uh write up those findings of discrimination verify the discrimination make recommendations for remediation and have us have uh, ogc out of their way so that that uh, those who've been aggrieved can can find justice. So those key buzzwords of uh, accountability, transparency, and those sorts of things are really very, very important. So until people at the top really want things to change at the bottom, it's going to be this old system year in and year out again. So our great, great, great grandkids will be battling the same things unless somebody sitting in the secretary's office decides to do something different. And that's what we're doing through your leadership, uh, Lawrence, is knocking on the door of Vilsack, relentlessly saying, here are our issues, here are our concerns, let us help you solve the problems. Stop the drought keep knocking until they answer it and agree with us and work on it with us. Thank you. Um, on the other hand, there was... Um, you mentioned the Office of General Counsel, OGC. Um, on the same call where we had, uh, we were misled and not told the truth about uh, the backlog of cases, also the question came up about the firewall between the Office of General Counsel and the Office of Civil Rights. Uh, Lloyd, you know about how the Office of Civil Rights functions. Why is it important that part of our challenge to Vilsap as it relates to uh, systemic discrimination and correction at USDA, why do you think um, that firewall is important, and do you believe um, Monica Range to be truthful when she said that 
there, there is a firewall between the two. How do you address that? We've got that? 10 seconds here, Lawrence. we got 10 okay. seconds. Okay. 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 Well, I'll well, 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 tell you what. Um, thank you. I want to thank uh, uh, Lloyd. We don't have enough time, but I would no. like to maybe on another show talk about that. But uh, I want to thank uh, um, um, uh, Marty Oakley, and I want to thank you all for coming on the show and being so straightforward and honest. Uh, thank you very much, Marty, and I thank my guests. All right. All right. Thank you, everyone, and thanks, everybody, who tuned in. We'll be back again next month with another report, unless Lawrence wants to do one sooner. Um, Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all later. Good night.